Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Lisa Levy. Lisa has a really interesting professional background, but more importantly, I think we're going to find out about how we can all move from what someone described as disaster recovery to business continuity to business as usual, some of the strategies that Lisa has developed and her book. So Lisa, first of all, with an incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me. Tom, thanks so much for having me here. So Lisa, could you tell us a little bit about your professional background? Absolutely. My professional background started in IT. I I grew up as a project manager implementing systems and watching those system implementations fail because people didn't understand what, what the new technology was doing or why it was important to them or how it was supposed to actually make their jobs easier. So with that kind of experience, I looked beyond just the projects and started looking at process and building teams that would understand how work is done and then how to use the technology. And that started to make some improvements and that was great, but it still wasn't you know, 100% celebratory success at the end of the day. So I started looking at people and what it kind of takes to get them involved in understanding what's going on around them in a business. And with that kind of series of experiences over a decade, I realized that it's really about getting the right people doing the right work in a repeatable process and then using technology to enable it. But you really have to start with the people, then the process, then the technology. And that sort of that aha and that epiphany led me to leaving corporate roles and in 2008, 2009, opening L-Cubed Consulting to try and champion this kind of better way of doing work. I really like the way uh, you laid that out. And I was wondering if now you could maybe explain a little bit about it in terms of the consulting work you do and really what makes iCube Consulting, you and your process different. Certainly. So L-Cubed was born out of that aha moment that we're making things harder than they need to be. And traditional consulting companies, the big guys, are really good at doing what they do. But it is a defined methodology, and that practice relies heavily on training recent college grads and letting that consulting agency grow their business inside their client environments. I really am frustrated by that, and that process only serves really large corporations because they're the only ones who can afford it. So I wanted to kind of shake everything up and take that idea of bringing consultants in who have the experience in key areas, in project management, process performance management, internal controls, and organizational change, so that we can take those capabilities that large corporations use as business functions or verticals in their own right We turn them sideways and go horizontally across organizations so that every employee can build basic skills and capabilities in those four areas. So does that require breaking down those silos or does it require really cross-functional training across those silos? I love to talk about breaking silos, but the reality is those functions serve a purpose for the business. So it really is about cross-functional collaboration 
and understanding what goes on around you as an employee. So what does my job do? What do I need? What are the inputs from other groups? I do stuff with it and I hand it off somewhere. And if everybody really understands where they fit in the overall flow, we can tie that back to what is the value that that work effort gives to our end customer or the end client for that business and make sure that the things that we do are meaningful and add value and don't suck resources for no good reason. So one of the things that several things have struck me around the coronavirus health crisis, one of which I mentioned was uh, the insight that now the unknown unknowns are almost business as usual. But it leads me to want to ask you, how do you future-proof business operations so that they can deal with whatever's going to come up tomorrow, next year? Probably having an attack on the U.S. Capitol was not on anybody's radar. And that's Mm -hmm. a business issue now. So how do you help build an adaptive culture and structure so that you can uh, bring in new people and build that out even further? So that really is the heart and soul of our adaptive transformation framework. That is what we do when we use those four areas and what we call it. It's our approach. And it is about building agility into the business. And what I mean by that is really being able to know what's happening in each role so that we have processes and we have controls and we know what's supposed to happen in normal circumstances. But your point a moment ago is the uncertainty that we've been facing for the last almost year now really just took blinders off. Uncertainty was always right around the corner. We were fooling ourselves to think that business as usual was really business as usual, that it was stable and we could operate that way. So future-proofing is about building a basis in corporate culture that embraces change. In the best of times, that means that a visionary CEO, founder, leader is always looking to the next thing that they want to do. That's their job. Operations is supposed to happen flawlessly and move with the needs of that visionary leader. And so if we start with a culture, right, again, that equation, it starts with the people and everybody understands that we really want to change on a recurring basis, that this is natural. It's how we grow. It's how we scale. And we have that foundation and we know how to do our jobs and we know how to use our technology, a business leader can do just about anything and the business will follow. I really like your insightful comment and insight that uncertainty was there in 2019, probably even 2018, maybe even further back than that. In the bl- but 2020 took the blinders off. Mm-hmm. And has that message that you've been giving, however long you've been giving it, is that resonating with your customers, your clients or potential customers? It became much more obvious last year, right? When we all, we stopped and the world changed and we went, oh my God, what do we do next? The book Future Proofing Cube was published in May of 2020. I wrote it in 2019, right? I don't have a magic wand. I don't have a crystal ball. But this idea that we need to have businesses that are agile, that can shift from one idea to another without creating mass panic in the business and and disrupting negatively how we get things done is part and parcel to running a successful company. And yes, the message has been received loud and clear in the last nine months, but yeah, it was there before. So 
many of the listeners to this podcast are in uh, the corporate world, compliance, legal, IT, HR, internal audit, internal controls, you name the function. And one of the things is that I continually run up against is many times leaders have that message and have the right tone and are willing to not simply talk the talk, but walk the walk. But how do you move that message down into middle management and even below? So how can you create, not so much create the tone, but move that tone down throughout the organization? I love the language that you're using. And you keyed in one of the areas that I built as a foundation, right? Internal controls. And the idea behind that coming from COSO and finance and accounting, but about five years ago had the epiphany that that process can be applied across all operations. And it is one of the four foundational elements of our adaptive transformation framework because of that. So yes, the tone at the top is critical. And how that translates down from an executive level at that strategic level down to the operational level where you have your directors down to the tactical level where individual contributors do work is critical to success. And it is truly culture-based, right? We know that culture eats strategy for breakfast and we really have to get that people part right at the beginning. So your question is, how do you do that? And it is through a series of exercises of testing. Is it happening? And when I go in and we do consulting engagements and we test the tone at the top, as we do a control environment type of exercise, it's always startling for top leaders to hear echoed back from down and out across the organization what people are really saying and what they think is really the tone. And it takes energy and effort to go through organizational change to get the right message out because the message has to come from the right person for each employee. And we're all individual human beings and our needs are fickle and unique. But there's research. An individual employee receives messages best from their direct supervisor. Right, The person they report to needs to be saying the exact same thing as the executive at the top who started it. And so it is a formal communication exercise to go through and get that tone spread out and consistently applied across the organization so that there's buy-in. That's how people will get things done. You have to believe in it. I'd like to go back to uh, explore a little bit further about your book, Future Proofing Cubed, and maybe start off with who did you write this book for? I wrote this book for leaders in middle-sized corporations, companies, the middle market. The large corporations, I think, you know, one are well served by larger consulting organizations and they have an infrastructure that that works. And that right that really is 2% of all businesses in the world roughly that really fall into that multi-billion dollar category. They're great. The middle market again, I said it earlier, is somewhat underserved and I wanted to get a message out to as many people who would be able to consume it better than just relying on consulting engagements. So Future Proofing Cubed, was it's a marketing tool that really is designed to share the story of what you can do and what can be accomplished in your business. We talk through the framework, certainly, but there are also interviews and stories with leaders who have taken on this sort of agile mindset and this adaptive mindset and done some really cool things with their companies. So one of the things 
that I preach continually is having an audit trail or an audible trail of your changes, not simply your changes, but why you made your changes. Does adaptive transformation provide that sort of documentation if a regulator comes knocking? Absolutely. So I mentioned that the idea of internal controls, I built this in about five years ago when I, I really got to understand how that process works. And the goal is loosely to be audit ready at any any moment in time, that if we are doing our processes and they are documented and we're following them, the processes have designed internal controls, even in the operations side of the house, we have that auditability, that traceability end to end through the company at a moment's notice. So the COSO framework you mentioned, was that the 2013 uh, COSO framework for internal controls or was it another a different? No, that's exactly it. A big fan as well. Over the last nine months or during the coronavirus health crisis, how has your approach to training changed with a remote workforce, a work from home or work from anywhere attack that many companies have taken? Going into this virtual world was something that we always thought that we could do, that it really shouldn't matter if we're in a room face-to-face or, you know, on screens looking at each other. So 2020 really gave us an opportunity in the in the team to prove out that we can do what we do from anywhere. One of the interesting things that I've learned is there are always the loud voices in a room and there are always the quiet voices in a room. And when we take it virtual, it almost amplifies that. And so how you how I facilitate and how we get the quieter voices to engage means going into smaller groups and making the safe space for them to feel that they can contribute without all eyes on them. So it's changed some of taking you know, a group of 20 and maybe we're taking groups down into four or five or six so that we can really get all voices represented. Over the years, I've also learned, right, those quiet voices are oftentimes some of the most insightful voices. So we really need to get them speaking. So as companies think about this, and we're recording this in early 2021, what do they need to be thinking about for 2025 or perhaps even 2030 around adaptive transformation and this type of change management you articulate? Personally, I think that this is the key to long-term success. Corporations, depending on how old we all are listening to this, may remember doing a 10-year strategic plan, and that got pulled back to a five-year strategic plan. And, you know, when a 2020 happens, right, nothing on anybody's plan was ready for that. And being able to think and be more agile and with this adaptive transformation, knowing that, yeah, we need those long-term goals and we need to have a direction that we're heading But the map that we think that we're following is more often than not wrong. And so if we are agile and if our culture embraces that and works that way, we can make strategic decisions and change course seamlessly. And I think that's the biggest thing that we all have to just accept. Business as usual was never predictable. We had a false sense of security and you know, we manage our business. It's, it's important to manage by numbers and know what some of those goals are. But we really, 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 to be successful, have to be able to get our people to move in the directions that we need them to go with the least amount of resistance possible. So does this also or would it include a component of some type of continuous monitoring leading to continuous improvement as well? 
Absolutely. When we map out the entire adaptive transformation framework, it starts with, you know, people process technology, all of that's great. But it starts with ideation. So we have a constant funnel of things coming in that could be the next goal and continuous improvement, right? It, it is an ongoing loop. And I'm using my hands because I, I speak with my hands so your audience won't get that. But right, it is a loop. And so we need to have the ideas coming in. And as we're monitoring and seeing what works, what doesn't, we're enhancing, improving, throwing things out that simply don't work and making it better tomorrow than it is today. So you absolutely, Tom, you got it, right? It is a whole cycle. Lisa, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if listeners wanted any more information on uh, iCube Consulting, on Adaptive Transformation, or yourself, where could they go? They can go to a website called futureproofingcubed.com or lcubedconsulting.com. I am also Lisa L. Levy on LinkedIn. And definitely check out her uh, LinkedIn profile. As well, Lisa, I really wanted to thank you for one of the most interesting interviews I've had in quite some time. And I frankly look forward to uh, perhaps bringing you back to continue the conversation. I would love to continue the conversation, Tom. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review.